Octa Non Verba is a show that's raw and real, featuring hard-hitting interviews with people that live by the ethos of actions, not words. Marcus Aurelius Anderson is a TEDx speaker, best-selling author, veteran, and leadership and mindset coach. With this show, you get to join Marcus as he goes inside the minds and experiences of the world's most successful warriors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts. With each episode, you're going to get the philosophies, concepts, tactics, and strategies these leaders use to turn adversity into victory. To live an extraordinary life based on actions, not words. Now, here's your host, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Octa non verba is a Latin phrase that means actions, not words. If you want to know what somebody truly believes, don't listen to their words. Instead, observe their actions. I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and my guest today truly embodies that phrase. Danny Vega is an entrepreneur, coach, consultant, author, and public speaker. He's also the podcast host of Fat Fuel Family with his incredible wife, and he's also co-host of The Low Carb Hustle with my good friends Adam Shibley and the keto savage himself, Robert Sykes. Now, Danny received his BA in political science from Columbia University in 2004, where he played football and was a three-time Dean List recipient. He earned his Master of Science in Human Performance from the University of Florida and went on to become a strength and conditioning coordinator for VCU basketball. As a raw power lifter, Denny has meat bests of a 640-pound squat, 400-pound bench, and 700-pound deadlift. And Denny lives with his two sons and his beautiful wife, Mora, in Tampa, Florida. Now, Danny has incredible content on Instagram, so go follow him there, and you can learn more about everything that is human performance and his revolutionary optimized low-carb fat fuel physique program. Danny, we were talking before we hit record. I've known you since 2018, and things have changed quite a bit in a, in a positive manner. So thank you for being here. I know you've got a lot on the table right now. So thank you for being here. And uh, it's been a long time coming. I should have done this. We both should have done this a year ago, but thank you for being here today. Dude, it's my pleasure, man. I'm just honored you had me on, dude. And I, and, and I want to tell everybody that's listening. It's like, uh, it's so cool to see someone who's really just so focused and passionate about their craft because, you know, before we even came on, Marcus, just, just the way you approach this, dude, just like how, how making sure that the guest is, you know, gets everything they need, just really drilling down on some of these areas to make sure that you understand. I appreciate it, man. I really do. This is what we're supposed to do, right? I mean, if I'm just interviewing 10 people in a day and asking the same questions, what am I doing? You know, I'm wasting your time. And all the interviews, just like what you asked before, the interviews where you feel valued, the interviews where you really dig deep and where you can ask somebody something that they can sink their teeth into, where they're not just asking the same questions over and over again. Those are the ones that mean the most, not only to you, but now the audience gets to win also because they get to hear something they haven't heard before. So I appreciate you wanting to deep dive. And we've talked about stoicism many times, but can you explain to me why that's such a, a powerful operating system for you philosophically and where you first kind of came across it? Yeah. So Robert was the one who introduced me back in 2017 from April to about August. This was right before I, I switched to carnivore. And I wanted to just say that I got down to 6% body fat because I had never tried it, you know? And so I did it on my own for a month. And then I was like, this is not working. I'm, I'm giving myself out. Um, getting too creative. I'm following macros. I'm not, I was like, I called Robert and I said, look, bro, I need you to write me a program and I need you to keep me accountable. I don't want to worry about what I'm doing. And I just want to have someone to keep me accountable. So 
we started in June. So it was from April to June, I was by myself for about two months. Started in June, we ended in August. And towards the end of it, I was being a big baby. I was not, you know, my calories were down. And it's just one of those days. And it, it, it perfectly embodies what I'm about to explain is embodied in the obstacles of the way, because that was the first introduction I ever had to stoicism from Robert. And I was just being a big baby and I had actually gained a pound from the day before. And I was, everything was on target, you know, and, and it's one of those things like, you know, water weight, anything. And I was like, I called him up and I was like, what the heck, man? I gained a pound. You know, I, I'm sick of this already. I want to be done with this. And Robert just starts cracking up. And I'm just like, why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, because I'm so happy for you, man. This is, this is the good part. This is when, you know, the things start to happen. You know, and he's like, do me a favor, listen to the obstacles away. I always listen to it during my shows, you know, before my shows. I was like, okay, so I listen to it. And, you know, I've told you this before, why I love the way uh, Ryan Holiday broke it down, because it, it kind of like before I read Marcus Aurelius, before I read Seneca, it was knowing just the way that Ryan presented it. And it was, you know, perception, action and will. And the will was where I was struggling because I was, I had this entitled mindset that I put in this amount of work already and I've put in X amount of dollars for whatever, you know, applied to anywhere in your life. I've put in X amount of time. Something should have happened already. This should have happened. That should have happened. So I'm expecting something and it has nothing to do with anything in my control, you know, and it was such a, just blew my mind. You know, the fact that I can't believe I, that was right. 2017 was the first time. Yeah, it's four years ago where I realized that I was like, I've always been describing myself as goal oriented. And I always wore it as a, you know, a badge of honor. But that's when I first started to really give some, some much needed context to that phrase because goal oriented, I like it still. I don't use it anymore. I like it because the, the definition it means you have goals and you're oriented towards those goals. That's a good thing. However, I realized that I was more results oriented than process oriented. And that was what a game changer that was for me and every client that I've ever met after that point, because I told my clients the same thing. It's like, look, you're going to keep telling me the same thing. And I'm going to keep telling you the same thing. At the end of today, did you follow your plan? period. That's all that matters. Did I follow my plan today? Did I, did I do it to the best of my ability? Yes. Everything else is completely extraneous and doesn't matter. And so Robert introduced me to that. And then I got into uh, Marcus Aurelius and then I got into Seneca and Epictetus. And then I've read some of the, the more uh, modern, you know, Nassim Taleb and Donald Robinson, another great, yeah, I get a newsletter. And, and, and so here we are now. I'm not going to say I had a really bad period last year from about April to about November, where I just was not, I was getting all these great opportunities to really practice stoicism. And I was just swatting them down, all of them, just like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be angry. And so this year I woke, I woke up, you know, I had this really spiritual experience on New Year's Eve, uh, where I cried like, cry, cry, like ugly cry, like the, the floor was wet. It's not like little tears, you know, and everybody was asleep around me. You know, it was just me in the house with my kids and my wife asleep. And I just, I got this word for 2021 and it was stillness, 
you know, because when you, when you think of stillness, sometimes something's moving so fast that it looks still, you know, kind of like a spinning top. And that whole, that's how I've been this year. Cause this year has been much harder than last year. And that's the only time you'll ever hear me say that because I'm just saying it in the context of this story, but I'm just so much better prepared, you know, because of that idea of, of just keeping stillness, you know, and we have moments and I have moments, but it's, it's a whole different story because the, the paradigm is a healthy paradigm where I'm just stepping out versus last year. There was no paradigm. It was just reactivity. Yeah. And it's impossible to maintain that long term. It's not, it's not sustainable to continually fight fires. I'm coming over here and people talk about this notion of balance. Uh, I feel that that's, that's a bad thing because it's a fool's errand. If I'm mm-hmm. continually trying to find balance, I'm always going to be in this place where I feel static and I have to hold on to this thing. And then I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. And now I'm not able to adapt. So being able to adapt, being able to not have any kind of expectation, just saying, listen, the process is key. The process is what I can control. The end result, I'm not entitled to, nor am I able to control that. And that's the way that we do it. So if somebody were attacking your family, you wouldn't give a fuck about balance. <laughs> yeah. You would give zero. You wouldn't care about that. You would go towards that person, focus on that person. You would stop them. You make sure that the family's okay. The business doesn't matter. Social media doesn't matter. Your workout or your macros were that they don't matter. That's about the priority. So everybody tries to prioritize the wrong things or they try to prioritize everything, which means they prioritize nothing in the long run. Yeah. And I don't know if it was the way that you described it, that I just thought of this for the first time. I'm totally with you. Robert and I have talked about this balance nonsense. And I just thought of now an image in my mind. How can you balance one ton with a pound? You can't, right? I mean, there's no way you're going to work so hard to balance that ton on that left side, which is what you need to just get on the whatever it is and stay on there. Because that other side that you're working so hard to balance it's like it's the same idea behind look at how you're spending your money. Look at how you're sp- spending your time. These things aren't balanced. You know, I don't, I don't spend $5 on my food, $5 on my, gra- on my gas, you know, $5 on this. I, I spend lots of money on good food, spend zero money on, you know, buying things. And the same thing goes with my time. Why am I doing this all day? No money comes from it. No value comes from it, you know? And I understand that for us, I think in the perfect world, your what brings you value should be where you produce the most value, you know? Sometimes that doesn't happen though. So sometimes something brings you a ton of value and you really have to be like, listen, I get it. It's fun. Minecraft, you know, whatever video game or whatever it is. <laughs> But you're not adding value to the world and you're not going to survive if you're not adding value to the world. So you can't balance that. You got to get rid of that for now. That's it. If I tell people to look at their lives or even their businesses as like a pie, and then you look at that thing and say, where are you pouring all of your resources in, whether it be emotion, time, money, and what is the, the ROI on that? And it seems simplistic, but by doing that, that's why journaling, that's why writing things down, that's why having an adversity scale, whatever it is, it forces you to take a perspective when you step away from where you're at. It removes the emotion because emotions assassinate the truth. And it allows us to look at it much more pragmatically and say, okay, if 25% of my time is into this thing and I'm getting good at it, 
but I'm getting good at shit that doesn't really help me <laughs> or help somebody else, yeah. then why am I doing it? It's an exercise in futility. Again, it's a dopamine hit or whatever it is. It's about social media for a lot of people. But in the end, you have to ask yourself, is this something that I want to continue to do? Is this something that's going to help me or the rest of the world? And if it doesn't, you don't have to beat yourself up, but you have to be very honest and really acknowledge it. The reason why most people are not able to get beyond either a bad habit or adversity is because they choose not to acknowledge it or they try to tiptoe around it. And then they live their life with this elephant in the room and they build their life around that. And the people around you are forced to build their life around that. And now you're not even living, you're just existing and you've wasted a lot of time in the process. Yeah. And like, wow, that hit me when you said the people around you, because, you know, in my house, things are, you know, we, we're very traditional. Um, my wife has a traditional view of her role. I, I have a view of my role. We get along really well that way. And I think, I'm not sure if I haven't thought about it, whether that would change, let's say, if we both thought of things differently, that the effect of my inconsistency or, or just lack of execution would affect the family as much. I think it would probably regardless. But all I know is that, you know, the position I hold in my home, if I'm not doing this the right way, you're right. Everyone gets affected. And because my wife understands and because we agree, she's like, get your shit together, dude. You know, like, like we're all suffering because you don't have your stuff together, you know? And like, I want you to continue doing what you're doing, but get your stuff together because you're affecting me. You know what I mean? So true about, yeah, you affect everybody around you. That's it. And when I coach people, you have the CEO, this is the very top, he has all these employees. But if you don't impress upon him the importance about the attention that he has for his intention, if he doesn't understand the gravity in every choice that he makes, because that affects the 500 employees that he has, it affects their families, it affects their livelihood. So everything is high stakes. That bite of food, that lack of food, that water, that lack of water, that workout, that lack of consistency. And if he's got a bunch of yes men around him, nobody's going to tell him the truth. And that's what I do. I'm just like, I don't have time to lie to you. I know that you don't have time for me to waste your time. So these are the things that we have to do. And sometimes it has to be very short and it has to be very rough because that's what wakes them up. But that's what we have to have. And that communication is key, right? Yeah. And what you said about like every them understanding every decision, I think just the intention of that will help lower the amount of decisions. You know, because you're like, you're like, this is not even a decision I need to even spend time on. You know, if every decision matters, this is one that making either way is wasting my time. So because it matters, I'm not even going to worry about that, you know? So just being intentional will cut down on decision fatigue. It absolutely does. And like you said, if you're making the right decisions about the five most important things, those smaller decisions take care of themselves just by nature. You don't have to worry about going through and micromanaging everything that you do in your life. And that's where the key is. And you talked about your family and how important they are to you, the way that you're raising your, your boys and everything. Tell us about this book that you guys are creating and, and what the intention was behind that when you created it. Yeah, it just started off with my partner, who's a friend of mine from years now, originally reached out to me. He works for like Gamesway in Miami, Florida, and reached out to me about that. And I was like, what the heck? I don't have, you know, why are you reaching out to me? 
then I, you know, after a few months, I realized that, you know, it was in my best interest because it was like Dave Asprey had done it, you know, Ben Greenfield. And so I had a great experience. So if anybody's looking first to optimize themselves, check out Gainswave because it's awesome. So anyways, we had that working relationship. And then he started calling me like November of 2018, I believe. And he was just asking me questions because he had this idea and he hadn't told me the, the details of it. He's like, man, I got this idea for a kid's book. You know, you're, you're pretty tapped in. You know, what do you think about this? Is this even available? And he, what he wanted to do was take personal development books and turn them into storybooks for kids because we don't have that. That doesn't really exist. Right. Well, I said, no, the, the only thing that currently exists is the Total Twin series, which what they do is they take philosophy books and economics books and they turn them into kids' books. Nice. And they're focused around the brother and sister who we follow on every book. So they literally have a book on the creature from Jekyll Island about the Federal Reserve. They wow. got Bastiat, the law. They got the golden rule. They got all this stuff. And I'm like, but they don't have, you know, self-development, personal development books. This is a new niche that we can carve out. But I, I didn't know that I was going to write it yet. I was just giving him ideas. And after like one or two conversations, I, I believe like halfway through another conversation, he's like, wait a second, you want to write this with me? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to write this with you. Of course I do. And I was like, but we got to start with how to win friends and influence people. And he's like, well, that's exactly where I wanted to start. And I was like, gosh, this is Providence, dude. So what an amazing experience of, first of all, this being my first creative writing experience. Because I've written a ton, but creative writing is just a whole different thing. Have you done any creative writing? I, I have. I haven't that published you, any of it. That you haven't published. No, not haven't that published. you put out. Not that I put okay. out, yeah. Man, it's such a different experience, man. It's such a more fulfilling experience. Even though I love keto and I, you know, we were signed to a publisher and, and that fell through because my partner left the keto space, you know, and then I wanted to bring someone else in and they're like, oh, we're not signing any new contracts. And it, it worked out for the best. But sitting down and writing this, number one, opened up so many different areas. I got, I got nostalgic because I was, you know, going back to school and I, I'm like, I started to think about who are the people who really made an impact on my life? Cause they're, they're going in the book. They're going to be a character in the book. They're going to be an influence behind the character in the book. And so that was really, really cool. We also were able to interweave all of the lessons of how to win friends and influence people through characters. So through his mentor, who we call Dr. Libertas, through, and by the way, that alone is a little nod to Connor Boyack and the Tuttle Twins because his, and it's also, he pronounces it Libertas, which whatever, tomato, tomato, but his publishing company that he created is Libertas Press. Nice. And yeah, and he has, a, I think it was before that, it was the Libertas Institute. I think it's, you know, he, he does a lot of 10th Amendment stuff. So he's been fighting for states' rights in Utah forever. But anyways, we, we learned these lessons through his mentor, through his love interest, through his friends, we learn what not to do by watching the villains. And just the ability to bring in all of these different creative ways of those lessons. I just think, you know, at the beginning of the book, reading through the book as I was writing the book, just seeing something that just jumped out at me where Dale Carnegie says, look, it doesn't matter if you're an engineer, it doesn't matter what you do. If you don't know how to deal with people, you're not going to do well in life. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a number cruncher. The best ones are the ones that know how to work with people and work in teams and collaborate and 
and all that and, and network of themselves all, all you know promote themselves so it was great we you know we got through the book and we added a really cool like i told you before we got on this workbook and we're calling it the fun book and you know we have you know creative writing stuff practice we have chapter breakdowns so that the parents could get engaged with these kids and even if they haven't read the book they'll learn with the kids and my favorite thing my partner added this cuz we just finished the workbook and it's basically a challenge all these different challenges that you can take and you can say okay today i'm going to go talk to three kids i don't know at school i mean being intentional yes. is alone is for you to go somewhere and say this is what i'm going to do today that alone to me is such a win yeah. that they're going to actually be focusing on something today that's not has nothing to do with school or sports or anything so yeah man that's it in a nutshell it's really great book robert read it and he gave me good feedback you know robert's always tells me the truth mm -hmm. so i just can't wait to get it out there in front of as many people as possible man and when does it come out so now that we've decided literally on friday decided that because of how long it took just to get a good cover <laughs> yeah, it's you the process. Yeah, it's the yeah. process. It takes a while. Yeah, and uh, we, you know, we wanted to have. There's like each chapter has like three sections, let's say, and there's I think like five or six chapters. You know, the book is probably like I don't know, sixty, seventy pages. I want to say maybe more because everything that we did was single spaced. So I don't know how. I haven't seen it the layout out on on Amazon yet, but we just decided that we're not going to do the the illustrations now. And that we're gonna, we wanna put this thing out. So, because of that, I wanna say mid November would be the latest, definitely before Thanksgiving. That's, that's what I'm gonna say. And people can actually, I'll give you the, uh, the website, but I think it's www.unexplainableadventures.com slash 99 cents. That is basically where people can, number one, join the mailing list. And number two, they'll be notified when the pre orders are gonna come out. Cause we're gonna, we're going to put it out there for 99 cents for, for a little bit because we really just want to get it out, you know, yeah. get it in front of people. Yeah. Um, did, did you read Perennial Seller? Did you ever read that one? I have. By Ryan Holiday? Yeah. Such a good, you know, someone told me uh, when it came out, I remember someone was like, ah, don't read that one. It's, And I was like, maybe he thinks that I'm not going to like it because it's not a lot of stoicism, but right. so much value, you know, like learning the pricing st strategy and the launch yeah. strategy and learning to have the right mindset of, you know, it's it's basically the difference between me saying, hey, I'm going to put this on fatfield.family because I'm not taking, you know, I'm getting all the profit from it, right? Versus putting it on a website who's going to take a cut and is going to get it in front of so many more people, you know? So yeah, that's that's where we're at, man. That's awesome. So people can pre-order that and get that before Christmas. And that's a great idea. And, yeah. and for those of you that aren't, aren't aware of this, Andy Versella has done children's books. Jocko Willink has done children's books. Uh, even, even Tom Bilyeu, it's not a children's book, but he goes to graphic novels because he understands that changing a person after the age of, say, 35 or 40, it's more difficult because there's a lot more things going on in their lives. But if you can get to a child early and instill in them this notion of even intention, mm -hmm. even the power of trying to be present to talk to that person, even the ability to break through this barrier of this is a person I don't know. No, now they can go up and approach anybody. Now they can go up and approach any situation. And now they have this skill set that will serve them literally for their lifetime. 
So these are things that even if you don't want to go through this entire thing, you say, oh, well, I don't know about this personal development book or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It comes down to, do you care about your child enough to give them something that's going to help them? And so as adults, as teachers, as parents, to me, if I have a closed mind about anything, I could be negatively influencing somebody in my life because I don't have the time or I have this ego that says, well, I don't really care about that. We have to be willing to absorb truth irrespective of source. If for no other reason than that it may serve somebody else. So again, this idea that every choice that I make can influence somebody and it does, whether I'm aware of it or not. And if we can have that kind of responsibility, I think that that's the key. So thank you for doing that. So tell me what led you to keto because there's so many people, you and I are smiling. You tell people <laughs> that you're, that you do keto or even the word, I've even found this. If I say I'm a low carbohydrate guy, I'm a no sugar, low carbohydrate guy, that gets a different response than if I say I'm a keto person, so right? True. Right? So true. Yeah. And so tell me about your journey and how that led you to where you are now. And then tell me about how you're able to use that to help people in this peak performance capacity. You already know this, but Robert's the reason why I truly gave it a real fair shake. I've done it before when I was getting ready for fights. And I had the keto flu and it sucked. And it was like, you would make weight. And then it's like, oh, I can't wait to drink Coca-Cola and eat all these sugary snacks and get my glycogen levels back up. <laughs> yeah, and, then yeah. you, and then you just get in the ring and you feel like you're drunk or lethargic or you know jet lagged because your body doesn't know what's going on. Tell us about what led you to the low carb life. Well, first of all, I mean, just I got to just say, I, I cannot stand the way language is abused nowadays, it really, really bothers me. And I'm so aware of it now, but like, it's so true. It's like, you go to the doctor, you say, I'm, I cut out sugar. They love it. You go to the doctor, you say, I have, you know, I'm on a keto diet. They go nuts, you know? And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, a lot of them have to do with pharma. And I think, thank God, finally in 2021, we're at a point where you can say something and people will actually see that there's enough evidence for them not to be like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. I mean, like that was invented by the CIA, another abuse of words, you know, right. that very term, you know, when people were looking into JFK's assassination. So I can't stand that. And it's, it just goes to show how it's the same idea in 1984, how, you know, if you remove enough words, the idea is going to just disappear. But you're never going to remove enough words and the idea is never going to disappear. No. So I had to get on my soapbox for that. <laughs> it's so true. You know, like, yeah. you know, you say the word keto and like just today I was scrolling through and someone's like someone, I, a friend who I follow and doesn't do keto is like not tracking right now. This is where I'm at. Not keto, not carnivore, not vegan, just real food or whatever. And it's like almost like a spiteful thing. I'm like, but, but keto's good. I mean. Keto's good, may not be good for everybody. The way I came to it was I basically, since 2003 or so, I was following a lower carb approach. I was following precision nutrition. They're not really fans of keto, but I think they're really brilliant. And, uh, you know, John Berardi is a guy who I followed. He's a PhD in Canada. Great guy, really smart. But I, you know, when I switched from, then I, then I did paleo in 2011. I did paleo for years. That was the new baseline. And then when I stopped doing CrossFit, of course, I lost my paleo card because I started to, you know, that comes with it. Oh, yeah. 
but like powerlifting, it was all about carbs. And I mean, I would literally be seeing people at powerlifting meets with boxes of cereal, eating cereal, and they, their faces are all swollen, you know, from just the swelling from the inflammation. And that didn't work out because, you know, I was basically destroying my body two different ways, not only with the training, but now with the diet. And now all of a sudden, and this happens with people who do CrossFit or with powerlifting who eat either too much sugar or eat the wrong sources. And all of a sudden inflammation goes through the roof and you pair that with a workout that a lot of the time can lead to overuse injuries and things like that. And all I could do was like more supportive equipment, more massage therapists, more, I need ART. I need, well, what about this one? And it's like, how about we stop trying to put ourselves back together again? And how about we just keep everything together this time? How about we just keep it from falling apart? But I didn't want to listen to it. You know, I didn't, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. So it took 2015 getting ready for uh, one of my last meets. It was a, a raw meet and this federation didn't even allow sleeves. And I think that wow. lack of support. Yeah. I think they've changed. I just spoke to someone about it. They, I think that it's APF. I think they changed, but back then you couldn't wear knee sleeves and warming up for a squat. You know, that's when I tore my meniscus. I know it happened, mm. but I ended up still doing the meet. I didn't take my third attempt. I still hit 610 squat raw. And then I hit 700 on the deadlift because that that's where I wanted to be. And then I just pretended like nothing happened. And it took eight months of going through the pain and feeling it for me to be like, I ended up saying, okay, I'm going to get an MRI. I'm going to pull out of this meet. I pulled out of my last meet, March, 2016. And I said, I need to lose some weight. You know, I have a torn meniscus. I have chondromalacia. I have all this stuff. And so I did it. I, I hired my buddy back at the time who was a bodybuilder. And it was like 300 something grams of protein, you know, typical bodybuilder diet yeah. and, you know, lower fat. And by the end, I was at 50 grams of fat and my carbs were already low uh, under a hundred at the end. So I was miserable. I was yeah. like no fuel, lots of protein, very little fat, very little carbs shredded, but miserable. Yeah. And after like two or three binge weekends in a row, I remember the last one was Memorial Day weekend. It was a what? Three, four day weekend. Mm -hmm. Of course we pigged out even more than usual. I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I remember going to the gym the next week and my buddy Trevor, who was doing graduate work with Jacob Wilson and, and uh, Ryan Lowry here in Tampa, he, he had been bugging me for months to do keto. And I was like, uh, get out of here, keto. I'm a power lifter. I need carbs, you know? And, and anyways, like I just, at that point I said it was, it was quality of life, you know, because I, I was already lean and I was already where I wanted to be. Dude, two days into it, I felt like a different person. You know, I, I, I basically remember my carbs were low and my fat was low. So for the first time in months, I had bacon. I had a whole pack of bacon. I drank the bacon grease. I then had an, an aversion to bacon for like a month because it had, you know, coming back into it that hard. But anyways, like what I noticed, man, was like immediately my joints felt like 15 years younger. I felt like lighter on my feet. I felt more energy. I, I just felt great. And I was just like, this is where I'm at. And, and I've, I've never looked back, you know, I've, I've, I've done experiments. I've, but I've never cheated, you know, in the sense of like, you know, just eating crap. I have had my periods where I've experimented, but overall for me who loves food, this is the best thing. It, it's just the best, easiest way to, to maintain my body weight 
best mental performance, best combination of, you know, strength and hypertrophy, but also with this endurance aspect that I never had before. Yes. It's been amazing, man. I, I mean, I, I talked, I did a little project with like some doctors for like four months this year. I was really helping them with this program. And then I was also learning from them. And I remember they don't really do an exactly keto approach. And I remember one of the guys who had been there forever started bashing keto and he didn't know. And uh, I was like, well, I mean, I, I said, well, I mean, I've been doing it for five years and I, I'm fine. And it just goes to show, man, how like people just parrot what they hear. They don't even try it out. They don't even. And, and I've always been very honest. You know, I'll talk about how if you want to be a pro bodybuilder, you're probably not going to do keto because they're ridiculously huge at 300 pounds, you know, 250 pounds on stage. It's just really hard to get that type of anabolic signal unless you're really pumping the drugs, you know, you can totally do it that way. But most people are not doing that. You know, a lot of people are not doing that. And so, and I've always been very upfront about that. I think what people need is to be treated like adults. And for me to say, someone like me to say, look, this is what could happen in the first month of keto. This is what to look out for. This is what could happen in the first month of carnivore. Definitely look into this because, and then the same on the same token, this is what could possibly happen with vegetables because of these chemicals. Not saying it's going to happen, but it's like me. I had genetics. When I had my genetics read, I didn't know any of those things. But once I knew them, it gave me a closer starting point to figure out what the heck was going on because I knew that. And that's information that I think people should know. That was part one of my interview with Danny Vega, entrepreneur, coach, consultant, and podcast host of Fat Fueled Family and the Low Carb Hustle. You can hear part two of the interview on the next episode of Octonom Verba, where Danny returns to discuss the impact of a keto diet, how it can affect your mind, body, and overall performance. Danny and I also discussed the importance of sticking to a plan, why every athlete can benefit from the keto regimen, and how nutrition helps you focus and improve your decision-making abilities. Until next time, live a life of deeds, not words. Live a life of Octa Nonverba. Thank you for listening to this episode of Octa Nonverba. If this message resonates with you, please share it out with others on social media. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review for the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please go to MarcusAureliusAnderson.com and join his Octa Nonverba Inner Circle to get exclusive content, news, and information. Until next time, remember, talk is cheap. Live your life based on actions, not words.